Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. Cafe Kubal 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street, 401 South Salina Street all in Syracuse as well as on 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York and on the corner of Route 11 and Taft Road at their drive through location in North Syracuse. So make sure you head out there today. Let them know the wake-up call sent you. With that being said, we are in hour two of today's broadcast, and we are featuring two awesome, awesome Syracuse Orange basketball alumni and guys that I consider friends. Tyler Lydon up here with us right now, and will be followed by Terrence Roberts, who will bring us into the ingredients to success, proudly presented by Avicoli's on 7839 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York. So very happy to have Mr. Tyler Lydon here on the broadcast. We spoke when he was at Syracuse, and we've spoken ever since. He's always been great about making time to come on to the show, and I've always appreciated and respected him. And I've also defended him because a lot of people got opinions on social media when this man was like, I'm going to the NBA. So I'm out there, you know, dodging knives and bullets and all kinds of stuff, playing Matrix games for Mr. Lydon, but it's worth it because the good guys are the ones and the good ladies are the ones that you reach out and do the best for, and he's one of the best that I've gotten to see come through this program. So with that being said, a man who can make threes with only one shoe is here with us right now, Tyler Lydon. Tyler, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Always happy to have you. And so let's let's get into the most important thing, the most important piece of, of business this morning. You have a baby boy on the way. I do, yes. My wife is due uh, July 28th, so we're super excited to uh, to start our little family here. Hopefully we got the, the newest Syracuse recruit. <laughs> yeah, excited for that. And, you know, now that you've said that, there's going to be people watching, like, highlight film at three years old being like, i, I got to look at his mechanics and see what he's doing. So, but, uh, you know, what's it, what's it like for you to know that you're finally going to be a dad? Oh, I'm super excited. Um, something me and my wife have talked about for a while now, um, but it was just a matter for us of just getting our life in order. And, you know, my life was all over the place, and she's running around with me as I'm going from team to team in the NBA and trying to figure out what the next steps were um, in our life were going to be. So we're both very, very excited. Um, definitely puts a whole new perspective on things, that's for sure. And, and for you, what has been the best piece? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people give you advice, you know, total strangers as, as well as family and friends. You know, people just walk up to you in the supermarket. Oh, you're going to be a dad, I see. Well, why don't I tell you all this advice, even though you don't know me? What's yeah. been the best piece of advice that you've gotten so far? Honestly, it's been from, I mean, my family's all giving me really good advice. I'm super close with my dad and all my uncles and stuff like that. So, uh, but the best piece of advice was from one of my cousins I'm super close with. And he honestly was like, you're just going to hear all sorts of things. Everyone's going to tell you their piece of advice. But my only thing I'm going to tell you is just trust your instincts. He's like, you're going to be a good dad, all this other stuff. But he's like, honestly, what everybody's going to tell you, let it go in one ear and out the other. You got to just be present and just trust yourself. And that, that to me has been the, the best piece of advice because you are absolutely right. Just about everybody that found out has given me every ounce of advice they possibly can think of. So it's been good though. I mean, it, it's just, it's awesome. Everybody cares. So it's, it's super cool to see. 
That coming here from Tyler Lydon, Syracuse Orange and NBA alum here with us this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Tyler, you know, the state of Syracuse basketball at the time we're talking right now, you know, the, the team does have a winning record. They have seven new faces on the team. I think people forget that a lot. Uh, whenever this team is in transition mode and having to make up for a lot of points, that left the building in Cole Swider and, and Buddy Bayheim, as well as the fact that, you know, this team is making up for a guy who underneath was very, very fundamentally sound in, in Jimmy Bayheim. The team's 14 and 10 late in the season with seven new faces, six of them true freshmen. How are you feeling about the team right now at 14 and 10 with the majority of the roster being new? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, 14 and 10 we probably as fans and, and somebody that's been in the program you, you don't want to see that but at the same time like you just said there's there's six true freshmen there's all these new faces on the team so i have a ton of excitement looking forward to the future you know granted guys stay and and all that but um i'm super excited for the future i think this year is a great year for these guys to kind of get their feet wet get used to what it's it's like playing in the acc because it's tough i mean it's super competitive uh conference obviously so i'm very optimistic for what the future holds obviously everybody's gonna hold these guys to a high standard as we should because it's syracuse basketball right um so with that being said, I mean, they're, they're playing well. Um, all the young guys are stepping up. I, I think that there's a lot, a lot of good stuff that's going to come in the future. Yeah, you know, and, and when you see, I mean, obviously when you were, well, let's go back to you being a player. Did you ever read anything uh, that that people were saying? Did you ever go on message boards or read any articles, or did you stay away from it? I mean, you try your best not to go and look at some of that stuff but at, at some point here especially with like social media and all these different things it's impossible to stay away i mean i did my very best after a game like i wouldn't go on social media um or anything like that i just wanted to give it a couple of days to try to relax and clear my head after even whether it was a win or a loss but again it's impossible to stay away from it so you're, you're constantly reading stuff and it it's tough i mean you know, you try to tell yourself you don't care about what other people think. You know, you only care about the team and the winning and all that stuff. But when you're seeing people comment and say things that, they, that they're saying, it's also tough because a lot of it is coming from the fans of the program and the fans of the team. It's not just, you know, random people that have never seen you play just bashing you. A lot of it's, like I said, these diehard Syracuse fans that, um, you know, whether you have a bad game, they're talking crazy and telling you you suck and they need to recruit over you and all these different things. And then you have a great game and they like love you. So it's tough. I mean, it's hard to find that balance, but I, I tried my best to stay away from it. Yeah, you know, and, and Tyler, I mean, I think you and I can agree that the terminology of fan is a very loose term because there's and, and on the show, I like to say fan versus fanatic. There's a fan is somebody who may be upset you lost, may be upset that, hey, you know, Tyler Lydon, turnaround jumper at the buzzer didn't go in. I'm frustrated. Right. We should have won that game. Right, they're frustrated, but they stay the whole game. They love you. They, they, they clap it up. They tell you, you know, hey, have a great next game. And then there's the fanatic who is miserable, hates their job, hates their life, can't stand their spouse, the kids are driving them nuts. They come to the game. They're losing their mind. They're threatening to, like, kill you and everybody in the building if you don't win the game. Those people, to me, 
they pose on message boards as fans, but I imagine they're the same people whose coffee is never done right at the coffee shop. They're the same people who think somebody cut them in line at Wegmans. They're the same people who think that they're the only person in the airport trying to get to their flight. So how do you differentiate between the two? Because you kind of have to train your ear to say, okay, here's some people that are frustrated with how I played, but they care about me. And here's some people that are frustrated at how I played because they're frustrated about everything. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially when I was playing, it, it, it's honestly a lot easier to read those two different situations because, I mean, like you said it probably perfectly, after a loss or something, right, you're playing Duke at home and maybe you lose the game and it's a big game. There's fans that, like, as you're leaving the court and leaving the arena that are waiting outside and congratulating you, saying you played a great game and it's okay and all these different things, and then you can look over and see the next person next to them, like, flipping you off and, you know, cursing you up and down and telling you you suck. So everybody that's a fanatic is is pretty apparent. Every All those people show it. They're very easy to read. Um, it's also very easy to tell who a true fan is and all those different things. So um, it's all it's all very apparent. Everybody but he kind of shows it one way or the other, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and, and that's and that's the thing. You know, I, I think, you know, eventually it comes out, and you have to be, you know, I, I guess you, you got to have thick skin. How long did it take you to, not I guess, I know you have to, how long did it take you to have it? Because in the world we live in, listen, and we'll talk about it, but, you know, Jim Beheim is probably, I think if you, if you pulled the, the country right now, the top three subjects that people talk about are gas prices, healthcare, and Jim Beheim. That's what I think. And 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 so we'll talk about that in a second. But let's let's go into the thick skin because covering sports, I thought to myself, hey, you know, I got a I got a really important job here because I have to talk about wins and losses. But I have to be constructive and respectful because a lot of people in the media, it's not about respecting you. It's about writing the story, right? If the fans want to kill you, then they're in the, you know, they're in the mob, right? They're there with the pitchfork. And if the fans love you, they're with them. And they and they function back and forth like a chameleon. I try to do this crazy thing, which is support you guys no matter what and try to find the constructive in it. But at the same time, respect you. I don't think we'd be on the phone right now. If I did otherwise, and yeah. so Tyler, how how did you develop thick skin, and how did you the two two parters? How did the thick skin come about, and then bring me into when you finally started to realize the difference between the media people that were there for you and hoping the best, and the media people that would come up smiling, and you're like, I know this person's going to write a story that is not what I said at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thick skin part, um, it took me a while, honestly. I mean, just because of how I was raised. I mean, my my parents always raised me and my brothers to be humble no matter what. And, you know, I come from such a small area that like the success that I had in basketball, it doesn't ever happen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm from the middle of nowhere. There's no cell service at my house that I even live at now. So it's like for me to, to grow up, I always saw you know, the guys who were playing on varsity at my local high school, like hanging out with the younger kids and being involved. So I always wanted to be that guy. And I never felt like I was ever better than anybody or any of those things. I always thought and prided myself on being humble. So getting to Syracuse, 
you kind of figure out pretty quickly that you can get taken advantage of and your emotions can kind of get caught up in all of that stuff, you know, as, as a freshman coming in. Um, so that kind of, honestly, I didn't develop the tough skin until I got right on campus because beforehand, um, you know, just get off of playing with Team USA. I'm having all the success in high school and it still is kind of like this sheltered community. You know what I mean? I'm not out there, even though I'm on the basketball scene, it's not like I'm in this big city. I'm, I'm at a local prep school and all these different things. So once I got to Syracuse, and I realized how people acted towards me and how some people try to take advantage of me and we're talking and, you know, like you said, you read all these things online that people are already, you know, I remember stepping on foot uh, or excuse me, on campus and people already writing articles looking forward to the next year's recruiting class because I wasn't going to be good enough and all these things. And that was kind of like, when it clicked for me, it's like, all right, I got to, I got to kind of flip who I was a little bit and, and not care about what these people say and develop some thick skin. And to your point too, with like the media, I mean, for me, it's all, I think I do a good job reading people and I think I can genuinely tell who cares about me as a person and a player and all those different things. And then there's the people, like you said, that are just there to write a story that can get the most clicks and most views and all those things. And, um, I struggled with it at first because I kind of, you know, again, I wanted to respect everybody as a reporter. I understood that that's your job. But at the same time, I was like, well, why am I going to talk to this person? You know, if they're just going to write a story that is made up or things that I didn't say or whatever it might be. So that was a big thing for me. Like once I left Syracuse and I actually got to the NBA, you know, like you're probably one of the very few people that I'll even pick up a phone call from up in Syracuse that, you know, was a reporter while I was there and all those things just because I'm like, well, I'm not going to be done with my career now. And you're going to ask me to get on an interview after talking bad about me for two years. Or, you know, I go to the draft and you write an article and are bashing me and talking about all these crazy things. So um, for me, it's pretty easy to read all that. Well, I appreciate that you answer the phone and it's, it's a great honor for me, Tyler, because you know, you, I mean, all listen, everything that I, and I told, I said it in hour number one, you know, we've had 3,500, if not more guests on the show and you care about all those people and you care about all those, those stories you get to tell. And you gave me, you know, so many great moments. You're a good guy. You come from a good family. We had a fan write something in and I'm going to read it to you in a second, but when you all had a tremendous run and got yourself to the final four there there was that time period really the whole season but in chicago and being in chicago i was there i was i had been sick i had a sinus infection i literally got there to cover the games got i got there early got in bed just like drank whatever the medical correct amount is of mucinex took a two-hour nap, and then woke up like delirious to go and cover the game. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, if they win, we're going. You're coming with me to Houston. And my dad was like, all right, all right. And I'll never forget, I looked down. There's two moments in my life when, when I've done this, and you were a part of, of one of these moments. Two moments in my life where I've been in a sporting event in 19-plus years of being a broadcaster that I looked down at the table and I said, it's not over till it's over. It was the Syracuse-Virginia game, and it was this season's Jacksonville Jaguars game against the Chargers. And 
in that game, when you won, I have never, and I know you're close with your family and you appreciate this, my dad called me up seconds after the game ended. I think it was with, it was in it was within like maybe six minutes that he called. He calls me up. I'm in the press box still. My dad doesn't like cry that much. He doesn't scream. My dad was on the phone yelling at the top of his lungs. He's like, we're going to the Final Four. We're going to the Final Four. And he said some things about Virginia I'm not going to repeat. But my dad, you know, like he, he was like, it was all in good fun. And, uh, and, you know, he's on the phone. He's like, we're going to the Final Four. He's like, yeah. He's like, take that. You guys thought we were done. And so, I mean, I will never forget that you and the crew – gave my dad and I a trip to Houston that we never would have had otherwise. And it's when you cover a team and you're only interested in the story, you enjoy those moments for what you think you can get out of it transactionally. When you care about the people that make up the team, you get to have moments where you're like, hey, if they lose in Chicago or they win in Chicago, I love these guys. I got to go on that road with my dad and I got to tell you this, because I don't know if you know this, but I told Cooney, and Trevor goes, get out. You were the guy that did it. So during Operation Basketball in the ACC, we get to vote preseason. And uh, we put our, you know, we do our preseason player of the year and all that stuff. And we do the order of finish of 15 schools. Well, I was sick, and so I wasn't able to go. But And usually I'm always there doing interviews all day. But I said to them, hey, can I still vote? Because I want my vote to count. It's not my fault that I'm sick. They're like, absolutely, send your vote in. So I had voted, order of finish, 1 through 15. I had North Carolina number 1. At the last second, I was like, nah, I can argue Syracuse. I said, Tyler Lydon's there, Cooney's back, you know, Mike Benajay, Malachi Richardson. I was going through the whole thing. And I said, I can argue that they deserve to be at the top of this. So I picked you number 1. I picked, you know, North Carolina. And you can't see anybody else's votes and allegedly that day at the uh, ACC Operation Basketball as you know the media likes to make something out of nothing they asked Jim Beheim and they said hey Jim somebody voted for Syracuse and he didn't know it was me and we've had a good relationship this whole time and apparently people lost their heads about this the newspaper got in touch with me on social media and they said hey we're writing a story about you and that you picked Syracuse and I said okay now they basically said, can we get a few quotes? And I said to myself, they're going to misquote me. They're not going to put all my quotes in. They're going to make me probably look like an idiot. So I need to preempt this by doing my own story with all of my quotes. So I gave them everything. They took two quotes that made me look like I didn't do my homework. And then they said, mystery man reveals himself. It was my, I put my poll up on my website for free eight days before they found it. There was no mystery. So they say mystery man reveals himself like crazy, idiot, meaty guy, whatever. And most fans were like, yeah, go Dan. And then some people, I didn't read the post, my my ex at the time did. And she's like, yeah, there were some people that were really mean. People defended you. Most people thought it was cool that you're positive. And I was like, I'm not. it's not just positive. I believe in them. I wrote all that stuff as the season's going on. My mom's laughing going, you may be on to something. My dad goes, what are they going to do when you're right? And at the end of it, you didn't win the ACC. However, you and North Carolina made up 50% of the Final Four, my top two teams. And my dad goes, did anybody contact you from the newspaper to write a follow-up? I said, Dad, you know they didn't. So, but I want you to know, I was the guy that picked you guys. And Trevor, like, shook it. He's like, really? He's like, you were the guy? I go, yeah, man, because I saw it. 
and I believed in it. So I just want to I just want to say thank you that apparently I was the only person in America, but you guys made me right. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I do remember like reading something along those lines at that time. So that is funny. I did not know that it was you either that voted first. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I just like you know what it was. It was a great experience. I do want to get to uh, Greg, a longtime listener to the show. Uh, Greg wrote in here. Uh, Greg, I hope you don't mind. I use your last name because you wrote something very nice to Tyler. So Greg Eckert said, "I'm very pleased to say I met you, your brother, and your parents at your high school in Pine Plains, New York. Uh, your family was volunteering at a Special Olympics basketball event. It's been a pleasure following your career. I wish you the absolute best in your next." chapters especially your journey with fatherhood that's awesome thank you i appreciate that that means the world to me so tyler let's get into the <laughs> let's get into the bayheim in the room we're not even going to call it the elephant it's the bayheim yeah. so let's yeah. get let's get into the fact that your forever head coach that uh, you spent many a, a day and many a night with and many a, a trip with around the country and big moments including the final four what is what is your take? How do you handle the fact that everybody, like newborn babies, I think your baby's going to be born and have an opinion about Jim Beheim. Why why do you, like how do you handle it? And what do you think about the fact that like Beheim is trending on Twitter uh, at this point, like every other day? Yeah, uh, I mean it, it's. It's just the world that, you know, we were in an RN where um, you're obviously constantly criticized and, and people are obviously giving all their voice and all their opinions and all those different things. The way that I just kind of view it is that man has every right to, to do just about whatever he wants in terms of whether he's staying, leaving, you know, like all those different things. He's earned that because he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, you know, and I think because we're in a present day where social media is there and things can get taken out of context and sure they might not be having the greatest year ever. People tend to forget that this guy has over a thousand wins. He's one of the greatest coaches all time and and people just miss out on that. And I think he's earned the right to do and say what he would like to say, obviously in a respectful way and all those different things, but he's earned that, you know? So that's, that's the way I look at it is like, Hey, this guy can retire whenever the hell he wants to retire. He built that program from the ground up. He is a legend up there, obviously and across the country, but he's earned it for himself. So that's how I view it. You know, and, and the, the question of, when is he going to retire? I thought when he said with the NCAA, you know, thing when he was like, "Hey, I'm going to retire," in, you know, in three years, maybe less, whatever. I thought people would stop asking, and then he was like, "Psych, just kidding." I wasn't surprised at all that he didn't retire then because no one's going to force him into retirement. He's not that kind of person, and you know. But I mean, it's a question that Tyler. I get this question every week, sometimes back to back. I'm sure you get it. And everyone's like, what's the scoop? What's the inside? And I'm like, Jim Beheim is not going to tell anybody. He's just going to do it. But, I mean, you said he's kind of earned the right to retire when he wants to. 47 years in one place. What do you think about the fact that one of the most asked questions on this planet is not, would you like fries with that? It's, when is Jim Beheim retiring? Yeah, I, I think it's... Again, I'm just going to say he's earned it. I think it's crazy that 
that people sit there and critique him the way that they do, um, you know, after giving them a couple Final Four runs and a national championship and all the things that he has done for Syracuse Athletic and the university and the basketball program, all those different things. I think it's crazy to read what people are saying, you know, but again, those are the fanatics and those are the people that ride that emotional roller coaster that when Syracuse is good, they're the biggest Syracuse fan ever. And when they're not doing so well, they want to bash everybody and their mother, you know? So I think it's crazy. Um, and, and you definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, I get it. I get asked this every single day, whether it's, um, you know, I do the basketball trainings now in camps and clinics. So whether it's a parent that I train their kid is asking me or a friend or one of my colleagues or, you know, a fan, it's crazy the amount of times that I get asked when he is going to retire. Yeah, speaking here with Tyler Lydon, Syracuse Orange and NBA alum here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, one thing that I don't think is news, but it's been news for for over a week now, is that I was in the press room when Jim responded to, you know, where's Benny Williams? Oh, Benny Williams. Well, Benny, Benny, Benny. And it's and, and it was like, you don't care about Benny's health. You don't care about Benny's family. You don't care about Benny's friends. You just care about the fact that it's the one negative thing happening in the Dome right now that you want to talk about. So I said to my buddy going into the press conference, I said, guarantee you, any amount of money, like guaranteed, without doubt, Benny Williams' question's coming. We walk in, it's the first question. Now, now I'm going to play devil's advocate, and other people in the media are going to probably lose their minds, but they don't like me anyways. So here's the thing. They say it's a good question to ask. I say Jim Beheim just came off of playing the number, coaching against the number six team in the nation, one of the greatest coaches in current basketball, Tony Bennett, and they brought them to a five-point game. Now, Syracuse made some mistakes at the end, but... At the end of the day, they played them close. So I'm Jim Beheim. I walk out to the podium. I've been doing this thing for over four decades. I say, hey, everybody, here, you know, blah, 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 opening statement. My first question should not be, hey, where's that guy that wasn't here who didn't play on the game today that had nothing to do with the outcome? So I understand his frustration. Now, what he said to the person, he didn't swear, he didn't yell. He said, is that really your first question? It's things that he said to other people in the media before. And when he said it to people that are older, nobody said anything. So I don't know if it's people freaking out because it was a student or whatever. But he says, why are you asking me that? Is that really your first question? That's all you got. By the way, I don't like your attitude. Now, did he have to say the last part? No. But I'm also in the press room knowing that there's people in that room, and I'm not saying that this kid did it. But there's people in the room that bait him. There's people that enjoy fighting with him. And yeah. they're and, and, and let's be real about it, Tyler. Bayheim has been ornery in press conferences forever. So why are people mad today? And the thing that I found really hilarious is some media people that lashed out against him, calling for his retirement and saying all these negative things about them, they bully people, and I've watched them bully people in broadcasting and in journalism they're bullies and i find it really hilarious when a bully gets on their show and says i'm a bully who doesn't think a bully should bully so i'd love to get your take on it no i mean yeah again i think you hit the nail right on the head it's the, the same people that are calling him a boy do the bullying and all that different stuff i mean i, I think it, it goes back to a lot of these um 
reporters and broadcasters and whatnot they're just doing it for the clicks and, and like it goes back to you know how you are you actually care about the player the person the respect factor that goes into it you actually deeply care about basketball you're not there to just always get the clicks so i think it goes back to that um and again you also said it he's been doing it for over four decades he's been the same guy for four decades so sure maybe it was more acceptable because people are getting softer now in my opinion like that's just a lot of what it comes down to but he was doing the same thing 30 years ago and it worked out for him you know so i i I don't know i mean i think social media just blows this stuff out of proportion and and you get all these different clicks and then what people are saying and i think it just like i said blows it all way out of proportion um but it's definitely it's hard to read too because i've I love that guy. You know, he was one of my favorite coaches, if not my favorite coach I've ever played for. One of the best guys that I've been around in terms of basketball and just on and off the court and what he does for us as players and former players and how he helps everybody. So it's like most people will never see that, but they're going to read that, you know, some he said one little quote that might bother people and then all of a sudden it blows up. So it's just crazy to me. Yeah, you know, and, and again, when you're in that press room, People have no idea what it's like to be in that room when there's like 20 of us and what he typically goes through. So I'm not saying that I would be, you know, yelling back or whatever, but I understand. I mean, he and he does. I mean, he calls people out and says, I know what you wrote last week. So, I mean, you know, it's it's I guess it's tough when people who sit behind a typewriter feel like they can say whatever they want and then you meet a coach or a player that calls you out. And Trevor Cooney did that. I mean, I'll never forget Cooney. He sat there one day. It was when Chris McCullough tore his ACL. And and Trevor was sitting and Trevor and I are close and and he and we're sitting he's he's just sitting in his locker and he starts laughing. And the, there's a bunch of media people around him and writers and whatnot. And they go, what are you laughing about? He goes, no, nah, don't worry about it. And then they started asking him a question. And then he laughed again. And he goes, you know what? I will say it. He said, you know what I find funny? You want to know why I'm laughing? It's because most of you today wrote your story before you even came to the Dome. And because we won, you can't print it. And, right. and you know, and that was Trevor, like, taking abuse for years upon years, and he finally spoke out. Did you ever have a moment where you kind of did that, where you kind of, like, clapped back a little bit? Um, you, as much as, like, you want to, I think the only time I've ever really done stuff like that is when somebody tries, like, baiting me into talking bad about, like, one of my teammates and the performance or game that they had, right? Like, I don't remember a specific instance. I do know that it happened a couple times, like, sophomore year. You know, my sophomore year, we're supposed to be, or preseason ranked, like, top 10 or top 15. We're supposed to have this unbelievable year. We obviously had a bad year for those standards. And throughout the year, it's like we're riding this up-and-down roller coaster of beating really good teams and losing to really bad teams. So it's like those games where you lose to the bad teams – everybody's trying to point the finger in the media and trying to get somebody to say something again to get those clicks. And I would always just tell everybody plain and simple, like, look, you can try to tell me or ask me these questions about my teammates and their performance. And if, you know, let's say, for example, John Gillen maybe had a couple extra turnovers that he normally doesn't have, and they're trying to ask me questions and set me up to say something bad, I would just kind of squash it right away in a polite and respectful way and just say, 
you know, look, I'm not going to talk bad about any of my teammates. You know, they're my guys. We go to war together, all those different things. So, again, that's an example. I don't remember a specific time. I do recall, it ha- like, having to do that, though, and having to kind of straighten out things right away before it kind of got out of hand, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Tyler Lyon, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. Uh, Tyler, final note, what do you want to say to the guys on the team right now if if they were sitting here listening to you know you and, and your and your thoughts about where they are at 14 and 10 at the time we're talking what's your piece of advice i mean i think the biggest thing is just keep their heads down and keep grinding um you know it kind of goes back to when you asked me how i dealt with like getting the tougher skin and what people would say is like just stop don't read any of that stuff i mean i'm sure a lot of those guys don't read that anyways but just keep their heads down keep grinding keep getting better um you know look forward to the future and all those different things, but also stay present and, and recognize what you can do today to get better. And I, th- I think that handles a lot of different issues. Tyler Lydon, Syracuse Orange and NBA alum. Tyler, I appreciate you. Once again, congratulations on being a father-to-be and your baby boy on the way. And shout out to you and your wife and your family. And uh, thank you for answering the phone when I call, man. I, I appreciate it more than I can tell you. Hey, always, I appreciate you having me on. We'll talk soon. All right, take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks.